Welcome to Bell Curve with Mary Scott, Rachel, and Liz, three friends, three Southern Bells, joining you, smart women, to discuss life, work, relationships, business, everything from the nerdy to the normal, the practical to the philosophical, the head to the heart. Thanks for joining us as we observe, analyze, and often deviate from the standard. Hello, friends, and welcome to Bell Curve. Liz Bashir is here with one of my co-hosts, Mary Scott Hunter. Unfortunately, Rachel Breyers isn't with us today, but we do have someone I'm incredibly excited to talk to. She is a hustler, an entrepreneur, a teacher, an empowerer, an inspiration, and she has turned her former side hustle into a full-time business. Her name is Javasia Harris-Bowser. Thank you, Javasia, for talking to us today. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so excited. We're so excited to have you here, but first things first, I'm going to read your bio because it's even more impressive than the short intro I just gave. Okay. <laughs> uh, you can you can find more information on uh, your website, which is, go ahead and give us a plug for that. Yes. My website is cjanewrightbham.com. Fantastic. So Javasia Harris-Bowser is a writer, educator, and entrepreneur based in Birmingham, Alabama. She is the founder and president of C. Jane Wright a membership organization and website for women who write and blog. Because of C.J. Wright, Bowser was once selected as one of the smartest women in Birmingham by the Women Fund of Greater Birmingham's Smart Party Committee, selected as one of Birmingham's top 40 under 40 by the uh, Birmingham Business Journal in 2015, and honored as one of Birmingham's Women Who Inspire by Girls on the Run. In 2016, she was included in Southern Living Magazine's list of innovators changing the South, alongside household names like, you know, Dolly Parton and Reese Witherspoon, and was selected as one of the 30 women who shaped the state by Alabama Media Group. A professionally trained journalist, Bowser has a bachelor's degree in journalism from the University of Alabama, Roll Tide, and a master's degree in journalism from the University of California at Berkeley. She's written for Birmingham Magazine, USA Today, Birmingham's NPR affiliate, WBHM 90.3 FM, and a number of other media outlets. She writes a monthly column for B Metro Magazine and is a regular contributor to Style Blueprint Birmingham. Wow. wow. <laughs> That's awesome. That is the short of it. There's an even longer one on your website that just highlights some of the many amazing things you've done as an entrepreneur. And I did want to mention that I no longer write a monthly column for B Metro, but I do now write a monthly column for Birmingham Magazine. So you can see me there every month. Fantastic. Now, um, where are some of the best places if somebody just wanted to get an idea of your style of writing and what the things you're passionate about? What are some of the best places uh, to find that? I guess the best place for that would be on the CJ and Wright website because I maintain a blog there and update that um, about twice a week. So again, that would be cjanewrightbham.com. And that's S-E-E-J-A-N-E-W-R-I-T-E, bham.com. Now we're having you on as part of our summer side hustle series, because it used to be true that you were a high school (laughs) English teacher, but that's not true anymore, is it? So tell us a little bit about that. So uh, about three weeks ago now, I guess, uh, May 24th was my last day as a high school English teacher. I taught at the Alabama School of Fine Arts, which is a wonderful school in Birmingham, Alabama. It's also a school I graduated from, so I'm a bit 
biased, <laughs> but um, Aspen is an amazing place. But for the past, I, I taught there for 10 years. And for the past eight of those 10 years, I was juggling that with CJ and Wright and freelancing and trying to be a good wife <laughs> and all that stuff. <laughs> and so uh, recently, very recently, I decided to take the leap to do CJ and Wright and freelance writing full time. So tell us a little bit more about CJ and Wright. Um, why did you start it? You said that you've been doing it for eight years now. Yes. So um, eight years ago when you started it, what was the thing that really sparked you to, to get uh, that group started? So I am originally from Birmingham, but I lived in lots of different places, including Louisville, Kentucky, which is where I worked as a newspaper reporter. In 2009, I moved back to Birmingham to teach at ASFA. But I knew I wanted to also continue to write. I wanted to continue blogging, which is something that I had started doing for my newspaper. And I also wanted to freelance. Basically, I wanted to make a name for myself as a writer on my own. But I knew it was going to be really difficult doing that on the side without having a community of like-minded women to cheer me on. So really, I started CJ and Wright for selfish reasons, <laughs> because I needed a group of women writers to be my support group. And I looked for a group for two years and couldn't find exactly what I was looking for. And so finally, on March 24, 2011, I started CJ and Wright after several people told me, hey, you should just start the group yourself. And I kept saying, no, I don't want to do that. But eventually I did on March 24, 2011. You really like the number 24, apparently. You started CJ and Wright on March 24th, and you quit your job on May 24th. I know. It just kind of happens like that. And to add to that, on March 24th, 2018, so exactly seven years after I started CJ and Wright, I gave a TEDx Birmingham talk about the power of writing. Yeah. So it's crazy that that happened on the 24th, and it happened to be the seventh anniversary of CJ and Wright. So I am so getting this right now because I have been looking for a writing group in Huntsville and haven't found one. And it you do kind of get down to it that if you can't find exactly what you're looking for, you have to start it. So I'm, yeah, I'm not I, where you are yet, ready to start it. I'm still looking for anybody out there that might be listening. <laughs> Shoot me an email if you know of one in Huntsville, uh, because I'm because Javasi is awesome, and I I don't think I could, you know. But anyway, it, yeah, it's hard to you got a support system when you're writing is super important. Yes, very important. And um, CJ and Wright actually started in Birmingham, but we have members all over the country now. In fact, all I just over need the world, to join I have group. members in Barbados. Yes, you can yes. just join my group because what we do now, I still have in-person events like I did in the beginning, the early days of CJ and Wright, but I also have a lot of okay. virtual things now because I have members all over. So like we'll have virtual write-ins where we all gather on a Zoom call. We chat for a little bit, but then we just sit down and write. And that sounds weird that we're on a Zoom call mm -hmm. being silent, but a lot of people love it because it forces them right. to write. Mm -hmm. And then we have virtual critique sessions where you can get feedback on your work. So, um, so yeah. Wow. That's well, that like that is an makes... answer to prayer for me. So I just need to check it out. <laughs> so yes, just yes, join CJ and Wright. <laughs> Thank you so much. Now, do you still do some one-on-one -on -one coaching as a part of CJ and Wright? Yes. So um, the interesting thing about CJ and Wright is that it did not start out as a business. 
as I said, I just wanted a group of women to hang out with and talk to about writing, basically. But it became a business, sort of, I always call myself an accidental entrepreneur, because I started the membership program, because women would actually come up to me after events and say, is there a way we can give you money? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> because wow. I was hosting, in the early days of CJ Jane Wright, all of the events that I hosted were free. And I paid for all of them out of pocket, mm. which my very frugal husband was very excited about. But <laughs> um, And eventually, at the end of events, women would come up and say, you know, do you have a membership program? Can I pay monthly or annually to be a member to help out with this? Which was just so great. And so I started a membership program. And then on top of that, people were emailing me, messaging me on Facebook all the time asking if they could pick my brain about blogging and about freelancing, about building communities. And I would say, sure. And so after a long day of teaching, I was driving all over town, meeting people Mm -hmm. for coffee, letting them pick my brain, giving them advice. And it was quite stressful, to be honest. One day, a friend of mine who is a business coach said to me, you do realize that what you're doing is called consulting and coaching and that people actually get paid to do that. And I thought, what? (laughs) I didn't know this was a thing. And so so I started a coaching program Um, after that. I formalized it and uh, gave it more structure and started a coaching program. So yes, I do one-on-one coaching in addition to the membership program. What were some of your milestones along the way that kept you going, even when it, I mean, it got really frustrating or maybe it was getting to the point where it was so much work competing with what your full-time job was? What are some of the things that kept you going? Well, I would say when, as it started to grow, it was very frustrating um, trying to manage all of it. But the thing that always kept me going, you know, it actually wasn't, you know, you when you were reading my intro, you read a lot of the awards that I got. And those are great. I love them. They're on my wall right now. <laughs> but those are actually not the things that have kept me going. The thing that kept me going were the women of CJ Wright and the accomplishments that they were making. You know, women in the group were starting blogs, women who were afraid of technology were launching blogs, and women who didn't have journalism degrees were seeing their byline in newspapers and magazines. Women were self-publishing books. They were getting book deals. They were getting jobs based on social media knowledge that they were starting to acquire. And so just seeing that it was making a difference, that it actually mattered you know, I said I started to Jane Wright for selfish reasons, which is very true, but I continued it because of the women of CJ and Wright and because I saw that it was really benefiting them. And and not just in those practical ways, but you know, there were women who would come up to me or send me emails saying, Javasia, this group has changed my life. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I would start crying. And so, but, you know, these are the reasons that I kept going, even though it, it required me getting up very early, because that was sort of my mm-hmm. secret. People always ask me, how did you do it all? And my secret is 
meticulously planning my day, but also getting up very, very early to work on things before I went to my teaching job. So you said meticulously planning your day. Are there any yes. tools or tricks yes. that, that you want to share with us right now? Or do Absolutely. you still keep those a secret? No, they are not a secret. I share them all the time, everywhere I go. Uh, so my number one tip is the day designer. I, I am an affiliate for day designer, but it's only an affiliate because I use it so much. And the day designer is the planner that I use. And I love it because it has a space not only for you to write your to-do list, but also for you to schedule when you're going to do each thing, which I think is really, really important. It's not enough to just say like, oh, this is when this is all the stuff I got to do. But you need to plan when you're going to actually do it. Another tool that I use is called the Pomodoro Technique. And I don't want to get into two because it's kind of complicated, <laughs> but it's basically a timer that you can get. And you can find the app uh, on your phone. You can get the app on your phone. It's a timer. And with it, you do work in 20 minute sessions. And so after each 20 minutes, you take a five minute break and you do that for four sessions. And then after that, you take, or no, it's 25 minutes. Then you take a five minute break. You do that for four times if you need to. And if you need to repeat it, you take a 20 minute break and then you repeat the process. So I use that not necessarily for writing because the writing process doesn't usually work that way. But I use that for other stuff that I have to do because it keeps you focused and it helps you do things quickly. And so if you are finishing everything else on your to-do list fast, then you will have more time to write or blog or work on your business or whatever it is that you need to do. <laughs> Just, oh, well, you know me, I'm, 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 I believe in structure and I'm loving what you're saying. And I do think, I believe that creativity occurs in the presence of parameters. Yes. I don't think that it, people talk about spitballing or we're going to, we're just going to kind of talk and we're just going to kind of see where it all goes. And I just don't think that accomplishes the goal of creating. I think creating requires a timetable and a goal and, you may, you may not get where you want to be, but if you give yourself some parameters, to me, that's, that makes it so much more, so much easier to create. I definitely agree with that. Um, and I think the fact that I was a teacher for 10 years <laughs> makes um, structure work for me very well. And especially the whole idea of planning when I'm going to do things, because for 10 years, I lived my life bell to bell, you know, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. literally, I lived my life on a bell system. So I, um, I think mm -hmm. that that kind of structure, it absolutely helps creativity, even though that's counterintuitive to a lot of people, because like you mm -hmm. said, a lot of people think that to be creative, you just got to be loosey goosey and let it all be free. But <laughs> I just, I've found that that is not really the case. We, I spoke with my daughter, um, a couple of days ago, she was her art space downstairs. She's an artist and all my kids are artistic, but they, my daughter loves to draw and, and write um, and make paintings and her, her, her space was really disorganized. And I, I showed her some pictures of the studios of great artists and you'll see every brush has a place. Cleaners have mm -hmm. a place, you know, pencils, crayons, what, whatever medium there were, but things are pretty organized. And she was really struck by that. I will see if it sticks, but <laughs> there's, um, there's something to all that. 
Absolutely. I really resonate with both of what y'all are saying about the need for structure, because that's a thing that I don't know if I took seriously enough until I uh, became self-employed and went out on my own. And I also have a consulting business, a very different type of consulting uh, than Javasia's. But it's if you don't put those structures around your day, it is so easy to just either get lost in a project or to check all of the simple, easy things that you're excited about getting done off your checklist and never actually right. get down to brass tacks and take care of business. It's it, you can, you can procrastinate yourself to death unless you put those, you know, make rules for yourself. If, cause even if you are your own boss, you still have to be the boss. You still have to do, you know, to, to do this, make the steps, yeah. take the I steps to make sure you're getting work done. <laughs> I definitely live by the eat the frog philosophy. Oh, so when okay. I'm making that to-do list, the thing that I don't want to do, the thing I'm dreading the most, I make sure I do it first. Oh, that's smart. You call that the eat the frog philosophy? Yeah. I mean, I didn't make that up. It's a, a philosophy of, you know, you got to eat the frog, which basically means, you know, do the thing that you don't want to do, do that first. Because if you had a bunch of stuff in front of you that you had to eat and one of them was a frog, <laughs> you need to eat the frog Get first. <laughs> right. Get that over with. <laughs> uh, well, we talked about all the exciting things and the things that are gratifying about what you do, but was there ever a point when you just wanted to give it up and, and go back to teaching full time? Um, I mean, well, I've only been doing this full time for three weeks now, so I haven't had that yet. But there were plenty of moments when I was building CJ and Wright that I wanted to quit. Um, so, you know, even before it was a business, like I said, it was very time consuming. And so a lot of times I would ask myself, why am I even doing this? I need to just stop. And then once it did become a business, I really had moments when I wanted to quit because, you know, turning it into a business, quite frankly, took some of the fun out of it. And I had to deal with taxes and bookkeeping and all of the legal stuff and paperwork and blah, blah, blah. And I hated all that stuff. I still hate all that stuff. <laughs> and so whenever I was working on that stuff, I would always ask myself, why am I even doing this? I need to just stop. I need to just go back to it not being a business or I just need to end it all together. <laughs> but again, the thing that would keep me going was just thinking about the women that the group was helping. And that even helped me make the decision to turn it into a business because I knew that I could help more women if it were a business. Because before, when it was just basically relying on my wallet, you know, mm -hmm. when I'm doing everything out of pocket, um, not charging for anything, obviously that could only get so big because, you know, without me just draining my savings account. So um, knowing that making it a business would mean that I could reach more women kept me motivated. Is that what finally tipped the scales toward um, leaving your long-term job at ASFA and taking uh, CJ and Wright full-time? No, that was actually more of a selfish decision. So um, so I started it for selfish reasons, continued it for more, I guess, humanitarian reasons. But I had to go back to the selfish reason when it came to making that decision. So like I said, I've been juggling this for eight years. And each year, 
CJ Wright grows more, which means each year it gets harder to juggle all of this. Sure. Um, I, on top of all of this, I have a chronic illness that is made worse by stress and lack of rest. And obviously my life is full of stress <laughs> and a lack of rest. And um, my doctor sat me down and stared me in the face and said to me, Javasia, you are literally working yourself to death. Mm. And that was a wake up call. No kidding. Wow. Um, so I knew that I had to stop something. Sure. But then how do you pick? Because like I said, I love my school and it's still my school. It will always be my school. Uh, I love my colleagues. I love my students. But I also love C. Jane Wright. I love the women of C. Jane Wright. I love helping them. And so how on earth can I choose between my students and the women of C. Jane Wright? And then I realized I couldn't. I couldn't choose between them, but I simply had to choose myself. I simply had to choose my health. Um, also, aside from the health issues, I realized that CJ Wright would be a way for me to do everything I've ever wanted to do. So I've wanted to be a teacher for a very long time. I was one of those kids that would line up their stuffed animals and dolls and like launch into a lecture. And I've also wanted to be a writer forever. My mom says I've been writing since I could sit up straight. <laughs> and, um, and even though I didn't know the word entrepreneur, when I was a little girl, I also used to gather up random things that I would find and create pop-up shops before that was even a term that was used and like try to sell them to people in the neighborhood. <laughs> it was really ridiculous. So it's like I've wanted to be a writer, a teacher, an entrepreneur all my life, even before I really realized that. And CJ and Write is the thing that allows me to do all three of those because I get to write through the blog and through freelancing. I get to teach because I'm teaching the women of CJ and Write the things that I've learned about writing and blogging. And because CJ and Write is a business, I get to be an entrepreneur. And so realizing that really helps me make the decision. And shortly after I put in my letter of resignation, I came across a quote on um, Instagram that really felt like confirmation for me in a way. And um, the quote says, you owe it to yourself to become all the things you've ever dreamed of being. Ooh, and I know, I right? It. And I, I saw it. that like three days <laughs> after I put in my letter of resignation and I got chills and started crying and all of this stuff. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's, yeah, I had to choose myself. That is how I made the decision. I love that story. Uh, I And I love where we met. You and I met um, at a photo shoot. And I thought, oh my goodness, I want to know this woman better. And um, I'm so glad we had <laughs> you on our show. And Javasia, you're so, so impressive. And I, I think something that is going to really resonate with our community, our Belcurve community, is that you started a, a side a hobby that turned into a side hustle that turned into a full-time job. And you just never know where your story is going to go. And I bet you didn't know when you started where it was all going to go. 
No, not at all. Again, like I started it just because I wanted some women writers to hang out with. <laughs> that is literally the only reason I started it. I thought that I had these women to hang out with, it would help me be a better writer and keep me encouraged as I was trying to continue to write. And and it just kept growing. That very first meeting, there were about 12 women there. And I didn't know these women. I just sent, when I got, when I decided to start this, I just scoured the internet for contact information of women that I thought might be interested. And I looked at mastheads of magazines and bylines and newspapers and did all this stuff and sent the invitation out to all these women. And about 12 showed up. And then from there, I had an event, after that, I had an event on Twitter, using Twitter as a writer. And that idea came from that first meeting because someone there kept talking about how much she loved Twitter. And everyone there was like, what? Twitter's dumb. And, <laughs> and then one of the women turned to me and said, Javasia, can our next event be a workshop on using, write, using Twitter as a writer? And I thought to myself, Oh crap, they want a next event. I hadn't thought that far ahead. But sure, yes, that will be our next event. And so it was. And 40 people showed up. And then the women knew that I was a blogger. And so they wanted to learn more about that. So I did a panel discussion on blogging and 75 women showed up. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm on to something here. And so, you know, and so it just kept going and kept going. And then all those awards started happening. And I was thinking, what? But I'm just hanging out. <laughs> like, I really felt like I was just hanging out. <laughs> I'll tell you, that story is so comforting to me as somebody who has a lot of anxiety about the future and a lot of just like, where is this all going in terms of my own career? Just knowing that you saw it evolve and develop in real time, you know, you were doing the things that brought you joy and that served other people and, you know, served your audience, served your, your clients, eventually served your friends, served your community. And that turned into something fulfilling that you could also turn into a career of its own. So that's really, really comforting to me as somebody who struggles with. (laughs) Oh my goodness, Liz, you're so not alone. I, as we, I'm sure there are listeners out there who are listening right now are saying, I feel the same way because I think everybody feels that way at some point in their I'm sure Javasia did, and you you are not alone in that. And what I think is so amazing about, and and it's just so great to have you tell your story today, Javasia, because side hustles can be to make extra money, but they can also be because you need something. You you need something in your life Mm -hmm. that's important. And I think you got to just be real sensitive to that and then go get it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Along those lines of uh, fears and anxieties and all those fun things, are there any (laughs) things that, that scare you about being, uh, about making the transition, transition to a full-time entrepreneur? Yes. Homelessness. Homelessness. Uh, (laughs) And I say that only half jokingly. Um, No, but being serious, uh, growing up, my family, we did not have a lot of money and we got evicted quite often, just being honest. And another thing that helped me make this decision was therapy. My therapist, I talked to quite a bit about this decision. And she helped me realize that the only reason I hadn't taken the leap 
to do CJ Wright full time was because of fear, the fear that I would not have enough money to have somewhere to live mm. because of my background. Yeah. And she just kind of walked me through because she asked me one day in a session, what's the worst thing that could happen if you did CJ Wright full time? And immediately my answer was, I will lose my house. My husband and I bought our first house in 2015, which was a major deal for me. I never thought I would own a house because, again, my background. And, I mean, to to this day, it's been four years now since we bought the house. I still get chills when I pull up in my garage every day. Every day. Four years later, I still do. So having a house is a huge deal for me. And I immediately answered her and I said, my biggest fear is that I will lose my house and that I will not have anywhere to live. And then she just walked me through how irrational I was being because she said, you know, if CJ Wright doesn't work out, you'll just get another job. (laughs) You know, she was like, you are, you have two degrees. You know, almost everybody in the city of Birmingham. Mm -hmm. Your husband has a very good job. Why do you think you would end up homeless? This makes no sense. And she was right, obviously. So so that is my biggest fear. I, well, it was my biggest fear. I don't think I'm going to be homeless anymore. But, um, but I do, obviously, I am concerned over making enough money to pay my bills. So, But I think that's when anyone goes out on their own, I think that's their primary concern. Oh, so. absolutely. Let me just say right. <laughs> Whether, I mean, whether they came from a background that struggled financially or not, I think everybody worries about that. I think everyone feels fear. I mean, I'm sorry, Liz, but I just have to say that. that I mean, it more than laziness, more than, I mean, any other emotion, I think fear stops us from doing things, whether it's fear, shame, fear, or fear, I'm going to lose my house, fear, or fear, nobody's going to love me, or nobody's going to like me, or nobody's going to want to buy my product or buy my service. I think fear is, fear controls so much of our actions, and I wish it didn't. I'll just give a a plus one for therapy in there because it, that is something that has helped me so much too. And, in addressing and, and making strides towards conquering some of those fears as well. Uh, But Mm -hmm. what are on the other side of that? What are the things that excite you the most? The thing I'm most excited about is just seeing where this goes, you know, seeing what CJ and Wright can become. I do have visions for that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really excited about, um, trying to make that come true, make those visions a reality. Also seeing where my own personal writing career goes now that I have um, allegedly more time <laughs> to work on my <laughs> writing. Um, I want to write for new publications that I haven't written for in the past. Um, I have a book that I've been working on for two years. I want to actually either finish it or give up on it and write something else. <laughs> I want to do one of the one or two of those things. What are some of your favorite resources for inspiration for when you really need to get down to business to the writing piece in particular? Um, what, who are some people maybe, or what are some resources that have really inspired you? Um, let's see for writing for just practical tips. I really like The Right Life, which is a website that is good for all types of writers. 
And Jeff Goings is a writer that I, um, a writer and blogger that I quote and talk about all the time. So those are probably my favorite for practical things. For inspiration, there is a book by Natalie Goldberg called Writing Down the Bones that I love. It's like a devotional for writers, in my opinion, because when I feel stuck or discouraged, I just pick it up and just read a section because it's organized in very short chapters on different topics. And I'll just read a chapter and just get the boost that I need. Uh, She even has a chapter on why writing is a communal act and how we need to not just be, you know, when we think about writers, we think of the person who's just in their room alone, head down, not thinking about other people. And she has a chapter on how writers need other people. And I really love that chapter because I obviously believe that too. Mm-hmm. That's why I started CJ and Write. So, um, so that is definitely a go-to just for inspiration. Um, whenever, Like I said, whenever I feel stuck or uh, discouraged, just reading a chapter from that book always helps. What is the best piece of advice that another woman has ever given you? Do you have just one you can share with us? Actually, so Eunice Elliott, and if any listeners are from Birmingham, they know who she is. She is um, an anchor on one of our television stations here, but she's also a comedian and a motivational speaker. And um, one day I was, I can't even remember what I posted. I posted something on Facebook, being honest about my insecurities And she posted something in reply to it that was so good that I wrote it down on an index card and I have it hanging in my office right now. So I'm going to just take it down and read it. So let's see. All right. She says, this is her message to me and this is my message to you all. So she says, trust your dopeness. We all see your dopeness, even if you don't write another word. Your dopeness is the result of all your perfect imperfections. Act accordingly and breathe. Oh, I just full body chills again. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And I don't think she even knows that I wrote all that down and that I keep it in my office, but it just really, really helped me. And so I look at it pretty frequently. Oh, that is awesome. I I feel like if you put that on a pretty little Pinterest graphic and put it up on Pinterest and go crazy. (laughs) I might do that. (laughs) Um, what now on the flip side of that, what is your favorite piece of advice to give to younger women? Actually is something that I talked about earlier and that's choose yourself. And so I had to take my own advice when I was making the decision to do CJ and write full time. But I think that just those two words, they can apply to so much, you know, as writers, we often sit around waiting for the gatekeepers to pick us and give us permission to share our work. But we live in an age where it's so easy for us to share our work on our own. So choose yourself, decide that your work is worth being shared and find a way to share it, whether it's through a blog or a podcast or self-publishing or writing an editorial to your newspaper, whatever it may be. Don't sit around waiting for someone to say, 
okay, we give you permission to share your work. No, just you choose yourself and share your work. But again, I think that applies to other things too. It doesn't just have to be writing. Um, Whatever your dreams are, choose yourself and decide that you will go after them wholeheartedly, even if there are people telling you, oh, you can't do that because of this, that, and the other, or oh, you shouldn't do that because of this, that, and the other. Forget them. Choose yourself. Go after what you want to go after. Also, take care of yourself along the way. That is choosing yourself as well. And that's something that I honestly am still working on. I'm really bad about not taking care of myself along the way. And I think a lot of women are. And so that is a part of choosing yeah. yourself. Well, well, I'm just thinking about all that. Just to, choose is such a powerful <laughs> word. I mean, and so often we don't choose. And that in itself, I guess, is a decision. But we just let things happen and we don't choose. And mm-hmm. That's that's no way to be. Right. Yeah, we just kind of go with the flow and we don't even really think about it. And then we look up mm-hmm. and it's 10 years later and mm-hmm. you're like, wait, where am I? And what have I been doing for the past decade? And I think women, I think women have a hard time with self mm-hmm. because we, you know, and, and obviously a lot of it's cultural, but it's, but we have you know, commitments and responsibilities and church and, you know, neighbors and philanthropies and family and and you you can just wind up spreading yourself out so much that there's nothing left of yourself right so easily well thank you Devasia, so much for coming on to talk to us today we really really are thankful for your time and for your advice and for you sharing your story um where can people find you and what's your favorite way to interact with people on the internet uh, I think it would be, well, I have two favorites, if I can have two favorites. <laughs> um, one would be Instagram. I love Instagram. And so you can find me at C Javacia, right? So that's S-E-E-J-A-V-A-C-I-A-W-R-I-T-E. And also my C. Jane Wright Facebook group. And if you go to Facebook and just search for C. Jane Wright Network, you will find the group and you can request to join and I will add you. Those are my two favorite ways to interact with people on the internet. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, For Bell Curve Podcast, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Bell Curve Pod. That's B-E-L-L-E as in Southern Bell. Bell Curve Pod. And then our website is bellcurvepodcast.com. And you can please like us on those uh, platforms, but follow, subscribe, review, rate, all that good stuff over on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcast fix. Thank you so much again, Javasia, for for coming on today and for talking to us. And we're just so thankful to have you as a new friend of the show and as a resource in Alabama. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Great. Thank you. you.